0: So we live in a world right now where views are very much in the foreground, views in terms of our opinions, in some cases our political views, but that's not all that we just that we're supposed to have our idea of what our life is, who we are what we're about, um, we're almost defined by how we have positions on things. And that's how we get to know people, what you think about this. That's how we decide whether somebody can be our friend, they have enough compatible views, like-minded people, who we want, that we want people to share our opinions. And this has always been a case for me. And these are also models are from. They limit us, they divide us, they vex us, they have to change because certain plans have changed, and then we look back and we say I don't believe that anymore. (laughs) But it was so true at the time, isn't it? So the Buddha was aware of this. How much of a source of suffering they are, because remember, these teachings are about finding the end of suffering. How is it when we have all these opinions and ideas, and and we're supposed to, and we need to, and we want to actually address the issue? So it might be interesting to know that the very first system of discourse in the entire politics. And it's called the Brahma Jala Sutra, which means the divine myth. And these are described as a myth that catch us capture us and tangle us. And it's a very interesting sutra. We won't have time for the whole thing, but I'll describe it. It actually starts out with an interesting scene where a a teacher from another sect walking along with his student and the teacher is uh, disparaging the Buddha and the student is praising the Buddha and so they're arguing and they happen to um, be walking along the same road as the Buddha and so he ends up overhearing this going on and he's completely unmoved by the praise and the So that's actually the first subtle teaching. That the Buddha doesn't really care if people insult him or praise him or bother him. Um, and his, but his disciples say, "What should we do when other people do that?" He says, "Well, don't get excited if they praise me But if they blame and they're they're truly saying things that are wrong, you can correct That's another lesson. You know, we, do not, we don't have to be totally passive, but the aim is to bring back to the situation we did. And then the also has two other parts. The first of these other parts is that Buddha talks about how people might praise him and says that most people, or that common people, will praise him for things that are trivial. And the things that he says are trivial are his ethical conduct, which is interesting, right? And ethical conduct's not a trivial thing. Goodness knows We could use a little more of it in the world. And if the, if the world were to follow even one of the five precepts completely, it would be transformed. It doesn't matter which one no killing, no stealing, no sexual misconduct, or no lying. If any of those were followed completely, even if the other 2 weren't, wouldn't the world be transformed? Yeah. So, on top of but the Buddha, of course, has excellent ethics. But he says, this is when people praise me for this, it is it is trivial and not very good. So that gets our attention. And then the uh, the final part of the sutta is a teaching where he enumerates sixty-two common philosophical and religious views of this time, and which we won't go through at once. But they're they're divided into areas, different domains, and those domains are familiar. Actually, they include whether the universe is finite or infinite, uh, whether the universe is eternal or not, what happens after death, and the nature of awakening. And he enumerates what he calls speculative meetings so about those things that people might take as their philosophy. You know, the world is actually a very deep teaching. said somewhat casually and this is a, um what does it mean teaching? That if we look very carefully why we believe certain things we have basic values. A lot of it comes down to feelings basically. And um, some of them are just some of them are you know, sort of important feelings like we don't want their feelings value ethics because it's so unpleasant and difficult when those things are not followed. There's so much suffering, so much pain from that. So we feel that and we value the you know, action for the course of the mm-hmm. But if we look at our other beliefs, um, the more thought-oriented ones, a lot of them have to do with ultimately concerns about our safety, concerns about those who are close to us. Um, And it really only come down to, I want to feel good. So I believe that it should be this way. That we feel good and safe and happy and cool. Whatever it is that we need. And again, these things are not not bad. You don't want to say, oh, I'm going to throw out all my duties. But just be aware of the basics. So the Buddha says that people rightly and praise him and, for well, having seen something beyond speculative views. That's the reason of acts according the teaching. And so then you may be on the edge of your seat and saying, well, what does the Buddha offer? It doesn't just end there. He then gives people more choice here. So is the 63rd view? But he doesn't give a view to answer to all these is different than that. I do not make it any forever, but I want to deviate for a moment. Um, to say that I was I was speaking recently with a nun, a monastic teacher, and she was just asking a group kind of generally, so what's up, you know, what's up for you in your God's practice or in the way you're relating to the world and I I didn't know I was going to say this, but it just felt important. And I said, you views seem to be really important and the source of what right now. And I guess I had also been feeling that maybe some of my views had been challenged. And so I wanted to ask about, you know, when, when is it okay for me to state my view and stick by it, and when is that kind of that was kind of like a fundamental question? You know, you're defending a view that you think is, to make the world better. Is that correct or is that hmm, going to views is suffering. And she said, well, it's important to distinguish views from dharma. If you're simply saying that these conditions are going to lead to bad results, that is not a view. I thought, oh, that's right. (laughs) That's true. In other words, expressions of how things really work are not what we would call views. That's not what the Buddha was referring to. So expressions of how things really work. Interesting. So then, with that, we can say, okay, the Buddha does express his in view. In For example, there are components the of right view. The first step would be to have, after all, right. And yet right view is not a view because it's a description of how things work. So there are two components of right view. One is to understand karma, to understand uh, what is wholesome and what is unwholesome and the effects of it. It doesn't say you have to choose the wholesome, by the way, but it says you ought to know the difference what is going to lead to happiness and what is going to lead to suffering. And then the other component of right view is to know how know about the four noble truths. You know that there's suffering, You know what the cause of it is, we you know that it can be abandoned, and you know that there's a path to abandon it. And I would argue that this is basically a description of how suffering works. Right? There's suffering, we know what causes it, we know what ends it, we know how to get there. that's the mechanism of how suffering works and you how it can be. so that's the understanding of the Four Noble Truth. So these are the two components of the right view, but these are actual expressions of natural law. Uh, there's nothing contrived about karma. It's actually true that if one speaks or acts with a mind that is overcome by fear or anger or greed or envy, uh, the result is pain. Pretty if, if we act with a mind that is viewed with love and compassion and generosity and patience, or any of those, all those things like that then the result is happening. Maybe not immediately and maybe not in the way that we expected, but we can see that's generally operating in our lives. We can't figure out every single pathway across. to believe that, or to we need the world to behave in a way in line with that view, it's like Okay, so so this is interesting. The Buddha expresses what could be said to the views and that we're encouraged to adopt these right ways of the foundation of our path. But they're really expressions of how things work, and what he's saying is, get your mind and your life and line with how things actually work and then you'll stop having this trouble of running into walls and running into fears that things seem to be going well and so forth. It's interesting that one of the etymologies of the word duke, which I'm using suffer suffering, but it could also be unsatisfactoriness, is, you know, is a, a wheel where the axle doesn't fit very well into the wheel. And so it, you can imagine what a ride on the cart that is. Feeling awkward, feeling like you're always blinding. That's... You know. <laughs> Does it feel like that in life sometimes? Yeah. So, the Buddha is saying get in line with how things actually work and then even if they don't always even if they're still raging and missing death. If you're in with that process that's something Somebody once asked the monk, Tsurubiku, they said, does a person have to believe anything to be Buddhist? Hmm. he was a direct question like that. He thought about it for a moment, And then he said, well, you we have to believe in cause and effect. Which I thought was an actual answer, because, you know, there aren't any physical beliefs associated with is practice in a way that there are with other religions we may have in contact with in our life. There isn't a doctrine. It's a choice that you do if you want you are to follow the path. You undertake the purpose of that. It's said to be an orthopraxy instead of orthodoxy. So you don't have to believe in this. Um, but it really helps if you want not to suffer to get in line with how to work. And so we have to practice in that way. So I don't think saying that you have to believe really in cause and effect, which is basically, um, I don't think that's the deepest uh, definitive answer to that question, but it's a, it's a great answer to somebody who would ask that at a very complex time. So the You ask, we can, we can answer that if we think it seems appropriate in a moment, because sometimes people will say that. What do they believe? Who do they believe in causing a They believe that they're suffering and that it if we do these practices. Okay, so now with that, we can return to this sutta, where there's a sixty-two speculative views, and for every single one of them, the Buddha says, I have seen this, I've seen the result of it, and I know that it's rooted in clearing. You have to understand, in the super, this is repeated 62 times. It's always brain It's said uh, after every year. so it, it, it may sound tedious in some ways, and you have, uh, it really drives home the point. And if you actually listen to that super being spoken, as a listen to it, starts to take on very melodic, um, almost, and chanting, like, uh, feeling you don't agree with every single view, you don't hold every single view that's being stated, you start to realize, oh, there's a lot of things in the world. And you start to realize, oh, there a lot of things in the And the Buddha is saying he doesn't have any of these. So what he offers instead is then a a sort of a main teaching on conditioned arising and origination, which is also an expression of how things work, it's particularly how suffering is an expansion of the 2nd truth the of the original suffering. And he says, starting with feeling, mm-hmm. which is where these views are rooted, the mind will go to praising, and then onward to it. with that So it's very natural that we want, when we want a certain quality feeling, we create a view around it, and we create an identity around it, and I believe this. And then there's suffering. And so then what he offers instead is he offers uh, mindfulness, basically. mindfulness, but he offers awareness of contact. So where does feeling come from? Where it comes from contact, you know, the impingement on our mind body. And he says, if you just stay right there, and you just watch, um, then you won't get caught up when of opinion, decide that something has to So basically offers a simple practice it. It's not saying that you should never, ever have an opinion about it. Not the very beginning, where he said, people are blaming and they're saying that hey, teach something that I don't teach, you should go and say, no, the teaches this. it be right. So it's so not saying you Thank you. this is not totally consistency. What's consistent is it is always in the direction of suffering which is a very fine view to carry. So, in the end, we let go of all, of claiming to all views, without letting go of having this unfunctional view. This is a very challenging teaching, but it's at the very beginning. This is the very first teaching of the author So right away we have to look at our minds and how we're relating to the world. We want to work with you as orientation. So you might just, you know, without needing to take on that huge philosophical thing from the sutra, it's not very philosophical, it's very practical, you might just check for yourself, are there views that I'm holding on to that are you me suffering right now? Views about how I should be? about that be what needs to happen. It could be this become more in mind how things are actually working right Not in an absolute sense. You know, not in the sense of, um, yeah, not in an absolute sense of unchanging things. So the word that's used for right is someone. And it's not exactly right like right and wrong, or could say that if you want. Um, but it's more like right like what's the right tool. So to appropriate. You know, if you want to pound in a nail, Camera is the right tool, and a piece of paper is not. And so, if you want to end suffering, there are views that are appropriate for that, and there are views that are not. And that's what's going by right and wrong. That's Yeah, And in a given situation, the way to end suffering might be a new age, and in another situation, it might. Be carry around me, like, And along the way we do need to hold on to something, like a wrath. So we're we're asked to consider uh view of karma and the view of the truth as guides that will be always effective for us and all the way to freedom. But definitely our hearts don't even hold them to those. that helps with the right and wrong. Yeah, we can definitely oppress ourselves with, uh, with the view that, uh, that there are absolute right and wrong. It's subtle, but I think it's was going to crack It's more appropriate for the right to... Come This is really. Yeah, this so, is so I hate that when people come up behind me and start so pushing me out of the other side. So hang on, hang on. You just, you just said earlier that you've watched your mind snowball. I know. Is it is is happening snowball. right now? <laughs> <laughs> thing, you, know, you can observe this. Cars. Yeah, yeah. But this is great. This is actually really good practice that you see that happening in your mind, right? And it's so true. What you described is so true. When you first started, I thought of the quote, um, we don't see the world, but well, we see the world as we are, right? It is. It is. And so, um, yeah, the, the mind can create own suffering, and some in the God syndrome or the, you know, uh, make something manifest form of practice, but definitely you notice the difference when you have the metta going compared to the sense of oppression. So for that, of course, mindfulness is an excellent method. The method, is good, um, or one, see the one, see which one works better. But like if somebody's crowding you you couldn't, Instead of directing it at them, which is of course what the reactive ones to do, you you can feel to yourself, wow, this is what being crowded feels like. And if you want to step out of the way, um, then you can feel that sense of power and recognition. They don't feel different. Then maybe you'd have a mistake to send a little matter, maybe that person I don't know what's the other story, but then you have something going on. And so, you know, just finding ways to keep them. And, uh, in order that you might have a chance for that connection that is the way we can Not Yeah, that's a good solution. Yeah, yeah then Roll they off get off what they the want, other. you get what you want. Yeah. Cooperative shopping. Yeah. I like this idea. You don't even have to tell other people. It's like secret <laughs> cool yeah, shopping. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. That, that is a very important statement. It protects your mind.